All right, well, again, welcome, and uh, my name is Aaron. I'm glad you guys are here this morning. If you're visiting with us, thank you so much for choosing to come and spend, uh, spend this part of your Sunday morning with us. We're so glad you're here. Uh, if you have a Bible, I'd encourage you to open it up to the book of John chapter 1. If you don't have a Bible, there should be one under the seat in front of you, a hardback one. You can use that. If you don't own a Bible, uh, we would love for you to take that with you. That's our gift to you. We would love for you to have a Bible and read it for yourself and uh, see what it has to say and, and look into these things yourself. We're going to be in John chapter 1. We're going to wrap up our series on uh, Advent this morning. We started this back at the beginning of the month. Advent means the coming. And so this has been our chance over the course of this month to focus on and to think about and to reflect on what it means to say that God has come into our world, that Jesus Christ was God in the flesh and that he broke into to our darkness, our brokenness, and he came and became a human for the purpose of saving us from our own selves. And so we've been reflecting on that. And now as we move forward, uh, there's a couple things we want to look at to kind of wrap this whole thing up. And we're going to do that this morning. So we're going to look at the end of John chapter one. And if you would read with me, we're going to start in verse 35. The next day, again, John was standing with two of his disciples and he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, behold, the lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, what are you seeking? And they said to him, rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, come and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying and they stayed with him that day for it was about the 10th hour. One of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother, Simon, and said to him, we have found the Messiah, which means Christ. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, so you are Simon, the son of John? You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. The word of the Lord. So if, you've, if you haven't been here uh, over the course of this past month, let me kind of bring you up to where we are. We've been looking at this first chapter of John. John is, we call it the gospel of John. It's basically a biography of the life of Jesus Christ. And it was written by one of his disciples, whose name was John, who followed him around. And in fact, was one of what we sometimes refer to as like the, the inner three. It was like Jesus had 12 disciples who followed him. But of those 12, there were these three guys who were like super close, who went everywhere Jesus went. And John was one of those guys. So he wrote this account of the life of Jesus to tell what Jesus did and who Jesus was and what Jesus said, but he starts the whole thing out, not with like a story, but rather with this sort of almost like a poem, this highly symbolic sort of theological explanation of, of who Jesus was and kind of what it means for him to come to earth. And, and kind of the big picture of the whole thing is that, that Jesus is God. And, and as God, he's that big, that awesome, that amazing, that eternal, that all-powerful thing that's out there that we all know is out there, but none of us can quite seem to grasp on our own. And so we, and he uses a metaphor a lot in John chapter 1 of light and darkness and how we're in the darkness because we live in this broken world and in the darkness, we're like scraping and scratching and grasping for something more because we know there's something greater out there. But as we're scraping and scratching, we can't find it. 
because we are blind by the darkness and yet God breaks in and he uses the metaphor over and over in this chapter of Jesus as the light, the light that breaks into the darkness and illuminates and allows us to see that thing, that whatever it is that we're searching for, Jesus is. And he breaks in and he's the light and he shows us that thing that we're looking for. And so as we've gone through this this series over the course of this month, what we've said is that all of us know, instinctively, I know you know, all of us know that there's something more to this world than just this world. All of us have this sense that there's something bigger, that there's something more that's worth living for, that would even be worth dying for, that there's something we would give our lives to if we could just find it. And we spend, so many of us, we spend our lives looking for that thing. And we seek for it through, through different relationships. And we seek through, for it through, through our careers. Or, or we try religion. Or we try all these different things to try to fulfill us. But time and time and time again, those things we're looking for let us down. And we're left in the darkness. And we're seeking for something more. So here's my question this morning, because you know that's true. You've seen that in your own life, that there's something in you that calls out for something bigger, something greater, something more. My question this morning is, what would you do if you found it? What would happen if you found that thing you're looking for? That thing that you're desperately hoping is there, that's bigger, that's worth your whole life. What if it showed up? So John believed that he found it. Or rather, it might actually be better to say as we read through this, John believed that it found him. And he believed that he saw that thing. And that that thing wasn't a thing, but it was a person. And he believed that he experienced what we all search for and hope for. He believed that he saw the light break in through the darkness. And in verse number 14, he says this, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we saw this back at the beginning that the word is God, the infinite, the almighty, the the force that brings everything together in the universe. It's that thing that we're all seeking for. And he says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And then look what he says. And we have seen his glory. We, first person talking about himself, have seen, witnessed it with his own Eyes, not we heard about, not we talked about, not somebody told us about, but we have seen his glory. John believed that he saw that thing that we all desperately are seeking for. And so what did that do? What did that do for him? What would it do for us? I want to walk through this passage that we started out by reading. And I want us to look and see what it did to a couple of different people who had this experience. A couple people here meet Jesus. 
And as they meet Jesus, it does something to them that I think is instructive to us and is kind of an example to us. And honestly, I, I put it out in this way, not of what we should do if we meet Jesus, but actually what will happen if we meet Jesus. Truly, honestly, if we see him for who he truly is, that this is what will happen to us. And I'll just go ahead and and as we get started here, let me go ahead and give you up front kind of the the whole point, okay? And that way, like if you get real tired, if you've just had too much Christmas and you drift off, you don't miss it, okay? So here's the main point. When you encounter Jesus Christ, And when you see him for who he really is, when you're transformed by the real, the true light breaking into the darkness, when that happens to you, you will naturally feel led to go and to share that with others. You will feel led out to share the light with other people. Not by force, Not because you have to and not because you feel guilty and somebody's making you or telling you this is what Christians do, but just naturally, honestly, because in your heart, as you truly see Jesus for who he is, it leads you to want to share it with others. So take a look and we're going to walk through this passage together starting in verse 35 and just see what happened as a couple of different people encountered Jesus for the first time. Okay. And I'm going to have to explain a few things as we go along because, and it's not all that different from today, but there are a bunch of people in here named John and it gets a little confusing. So if they had last names, it would have helped, but they didn't. So I'm sorry. The next day again, John was standing with two of his disciples. This is not the John who wrote the book. Okay. And that's what you have to understand. Um, John here is John the Baptist who Steve um, talked about a couple weeks ago, we saw that John the Baptist was like a prophet who came to tell people that the kingdom of God was at hand, that, that, that God was coming, that the Messiah, the, the promised one they had been waiting for was going to arrive. He was there. And he came to proclaim this message that the one we've been waiting for and the Jewish people, the Israelites had been waiting for over 400 years with this promise that a deliverer, a Messiah, a savior was coming. And so John the Baptist came and said, he's here, he's coming. And so that's who he's talking about here. And so it says the next day again, John the Baptist, John was standing with two of his disciples. Disciples just simply means followers, learners. So John was teaching and telling people that the Messiah was coming. And so here were two people who had been following him and listening to him um, and who were believing what he was saying, but were waiting to find out who was this guy he was talking about that he was telling them was coming. And so he's standing and talking to them and he looked at Jesus as he walked by and he said, behold, the lamb of God. And so John points out to these two followers of his, he says, that's the guy. That's the one I've been telling you about. That's the Lamb of God. So I say all that just so you understand the context of this. It wasn't like he was just hanging out with some friends and all of a sudden he goes, oh, the Lamb of God. And they hopped up and followed. 
Okay, they've been listening to John's teaching. John had been teaching, this guy is coming. And so this is like a big moment where he says, that's him. That's the guy I've been telling you about. And these two guys who've been following and listening and with John have been thinking, we can't wait to meet him. He says, that's him. And so the natural inclination, they, they heard him say this. And so they followed, they followed Jesus. So they start following Jesus and very literally following Jesus because it says Jesus turned and saw them following. And so... I, I just picture this as like they're walking along behind Jesus and Jesus is kind of like, somebody's behind me, you know? And maybe like, I just in my head, this is for my benefit only, but I imagine them like really tentatively and then he stops and they stop. And then he walks a little more and then, no, okay, that's just me. Um, and he spins around and he's like, he said to them, what are you seeking? Why are you following me basically? What are you looking for? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means, teacher, where are you staying? Which is a really strange question, isn't it? If you were being followed by two guys and you said, hey, what do you want? And they said, where are you staying? I'd get a little nervous, honestly. But he understood what they meant was this. Um, he, when he asked, what are you seeking? His question is, like, are you wanting to ask me a question? Or are you following me? Like, how much are you wanting to follow here? Are you, do you just have like, you, you just kind of want to see what's going on? Or are you like really interested? Because their answer of where are you staying is an indication that we want to go with you. We want to follow you, not just for you know, a moment, not until we get an answer to a question. We want to buy in because we've been told that you are someone we've been waiting for. And if it's true, if it's true, then we want to follow you. So where are you staying? And he said to them, come and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying and they stayed with him that day. For it was about the 10th hour. This is uh, by their way of, of telling time what we would call about four o'clock. So it's late afternoon, early evening. And so they go and they spend that late afternoon into the evening talking with him, asking him questions, I'm sure, listening to him teaching. And they leave convinced persuaded that he is who John just said he was. So what did Jesus say to them? I don't know. Did he do a miracle? I don't know. Was it just being in his presence? I I don't know. One of the things we saw earlier in the book of John is that, that we believe because God opens our eyes to believe. So something happened in that conversation that Jesus opened their eyes And they believed he was who he said he was. And they were changed by it. And look what happens. Verse 40. One of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He, Andrew, first first found his own brother Simon. And said to him, we have found the Messiah, which means the Christ. So the first thing Andrew did, he goes, he talks to Jesus. He meets him. He is convinced. He is persuaded. This is the one. This is the guy. I've been waiting for him my whole life. He is the secret to everything. He is the one we've been waiting for. He's that something more. And I found it the first thing he does is to go out 
and to tell his brother. He could have done a whole bunch of things. Okay? Like, like honestly, my thought, my first inclination would be to want to stay longer, to learn more. Because it's, it's Jesus and he's the Messiah and he's God. And so he knows everything and he could ask him anything and he could learn so much from him. But that's not his first inclination. Maybe his first inclination could have been like, I'm just going to stay here and enjoy being in your presence. Because we know that, that Jesus is so miraculous and amazing and he's bringing light into darkness that it, it would feel just emotionally so satisfying just to be there. But that's not his first inclination. He could say, I just want to stand here and give you praise. I want to worship you. I just want to tell you how awesome and amazing and wonderful you are. That's not what he did either. Now, he did all those things. And if you read the Gospel of John, the rest of it, the disciples did all those things. They learned a ton from Jesus. They worshiped him. They stayed in his presence. But the first thing, the first thing he was driven to do was to go out and to tell his brother. Now, why would that be? I mean, my first thought is it's his brother. And he and his brother, and if you look at the way he says it, we have found the Messiah, makes me think that he and his brother had spent time together talking about this, that he knew his brother wanted and and needed the same thing. That this answer to the questions that he had had, that that his brother had those same questions. That this desire he had for something greater and more in his life, his brother had those same desires. And so when he meets Jesus, his first thought is, I got to tell Simon. Because we've talked about this. And I know Simon needs this. And I know he wants this. And I know he desperately, this would change his life. And so he goes. The first thing he does is he goes to tell his brother. And he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, So you are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. So Andrew's like, this is awesome. This is amazing. He's the one. I got to get my brother and show him. So he goes, he gets his brother. He brings him to Jesus. And the first thing Jesus says is, oh, you're Simon. I'm going to change your name. What? Like, what does that mean? Like, how bizarre, how random. Um, I I just met you and I'm going to give you a different name. That has never happened to me personally. Um, Nobody has ever met me and told me they were going to call me something different. But apparently there was a purpose behind it. And a lot of theologians, a lot of scholars have talked about what this means. The the name Cephas is Aramaic. Peter is Greek. They both mean rock. So he changed his name to rock. Um, Why? Again, a lot of theologians have talked about it. Here's the bigger picture. Whatever the purpose was, throughout scriptures, there are times when God changes somebody's name. The meaning of it is, is always the same. God is doing something in that person's life and he's transforming them. And as a sign, as a signal of that transformation, God gives people a new name. So when he meets Simon and he tells him he's going to give him a new name, what he's saying is not just, I'm giving you a nickname. This is what we're going to call you. What he's saying is your life 
is about to change. Your life is about to be transformed. That you've been going along as Simon, and as Simon you lived a certain way, and you did certain things, and and you thought a certain thought pattern. All of that is about to change, so much so that you can't even be Simon anymore. Because Simon was like that, and from now on you're Peter, because Peter is different. When we truly, honestly meet Jesus, when the light that is the true light breaks into the darkness of our lives, honestly and truthfully, it changes our lives. It would be impossible for a blind person to receive their sight for their life to stay the same as it was. And this is what happens to us. We live in darkness. We are broken people in a broken world. We live in darkness. When the light breaks in, it will change us. And not because we decide we're going to change. Okay, understand what I'm saying here. This is not saying that in order for you to meet Jesus, you have to change. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is when you believe that Jesus is who he says he is, When that light shines into the darkness of your heart, it will change you. It would be impossible not to be changed. If you truly, honestly believe that Jesus Christ is God, the Almighty, the Eternal, the Omnipotent God, in flesh, come to earth to live a sinless life, the kind of life we should have lived but couldn't, to die to be tortured and murdered, to take the punishment that we deserve, the death we should have died, and to take that punishment on himself for us, out of love for us. And then he rose from the dead to show that he is stronger, to show that he has victory over death. If you believe that, truly believe that, that he did that for you, that will transform your life. There's no way, if you truly believe that's true, there's no way you can still go on living the way you were living before. And not because you're making a commitment to change, but because God will change you. And so I believe that's what Jesus is saying to Peter here. It's nice to meet you. Your life is about to change. It goes on in verse 43. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. So in the first part we're looking at, these guys have been following John the Baptist, and he points Jesus out to them. At this point, slightly different, Jesus goes and specifically finds this guy named Philip and calls him personally. Hey, come with me. Follow me. Uh, Philip found Nathanael. So I don't know how much time there is in between verse 43, where Jesus says, follow me, and verse 45, where Philip goes and finds Nathanael. But it doesn't seem like there's very much. So it seems like what happens here 
is that very quickly Jesus calls Philip to himself. Philip is transformed. He believes Jesus is who he says he is. He decides he's going to follow him. And right away, he goes and finds his friend Nathanael. Verse 45, Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. This is kind of funny. Um, And not to make a huge deal about it, but did you notice verse 43, Jesus found Philip. And so Philip turns around and tells Nathanael, we have found him. It's that whole thing where we tell ourselves that we found Jesus, but actually the truth is he's finding us. He's seeking after us. He's pursuing us because left to ourselves, we never would go after him because we're in darkness. We're, We're blind. On our own, we'd never find him. Unless he comes and finds us, we're lost. We're totally lost. But he goes and he tells him, we found him. We found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote. So in other words, he appeals to Nathaniel. Again, Nathaniel must have been in some way familiar with the, the, the Jewish scriptures, with the prophecies that this Messiah was coming because he says he's the one that they were all talking about. And his name's Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathaniel answers, can anything good come out of Nazareth? <laughs> this is not uh, the response that Philip was expecting. So Philip is fired up. He is excited. I found him. This is the one. He's the one the prophets have talked about. I've got to go. I got to go tell my friend Nathaniel. And he goes and tells him. And Nathaniel's response is, are you sure? Because it doesn't fit what I was expecting. Okay, so clearly Nathaniel had some ideas about what it was going to look like when he found that thing. So all of us were looking for something greater than us, and all of us have an idea of what it is. We believe we know what's going to be the thing that makes us happy, the thing that fulfills us. And when it comes and and somebody tells us that thing you're looking for, that's Jesus, most of us, most of the time, our response is, are you sure? Because I had some ideas, and and Jesus wasn't one of them, okay? But he comes, and he says, are you sure? Can anything good come out of Nazareth? A couple people look at this differently. Some people think that this was him saying from his studies of what the Messiah or who the Messiah was supposed to be, it didn't match that the Messiah would come from Nazareth. Other people think that um, Nathaniel was just, he was prejudiced, that he had a prejudice against the town of Nazareth. And so in his mind, there's no possible way that anything good could be coming from that place. Whatever the case may be, Philip, who was so fired up and excited, he goes and he tells his friend, Nathaniel, and his response is this question that honestly, Philip can't answer. He throws him a curve and and Philip, like, he doesn't know. He doesn't know the answer, which again, for us, how many of us don't tell other people about Jesus or hesitate to tell people about Jesus because we're afraid of exactly this thing happening? This is exactly, we've told ourselves in our minds so many times, this is exactly what would happen. If I went and I tried to tell people about Jesus, and I believe, I believe Jesus has changed my heart, but if I go and I try to tell somebody else, they're going to ask me a question and I'm not going to have the answer for it. And so I'm just not going to tell because they're going to they're throw me off and I'm not going to know what to say. Some of us, that we've actually had that experience. We tried to tell somebody and they asked a question we didn't know the answer to. More of us, Um, We've never had that experience. We just imagine it probably would happen, and so we just don't even try. Either way, 
I think Philip's response is what our response should probably be. Philip didn't try to answer him. He didn't say, okay, sit here. I'll go figure it out. I'll come back when I know. Philip said to him, come and see. Philip's response to this question that he didn't know the answer to was, I I, I don't know, but come with me. You just got to meet Jesus. That's his answer. You just got to meet Jesus. Come on. So he brings him. Why? Because Philip believed, he was convinced, he was sure that Jesus was who he said he was. That he was the one, the Messiah, the one they've been waiting for. And he's so convinced that that's who he is, that he's like, I don't know the answer to your question, but when you meet him, it's not going to matter anymore. Just come on. Just come see this. So he does. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him. And Jesus said to him, behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. And Jesus starts talking about Nathanael as if he knows him already. And this throws Nathanael off a little bit, right? Because Nathanael already had things figured out in his mind. And he already knew this wasn't the real guy. This wasn't the Messiah, but he's going as a favor for Philip. And then Jesus starts talking in a way he wasn't expecting. And he knows things about Nathaniel that he shouldn't have known. And Nathaniel said, how, how do you know me? And Jesus answered him, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. And Jesus tells Nathaniel something that humanly he shouldn't have known. And Nathaniel answered him, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of of Israel. Jesus just says, I, I saw you. I know you were sitting under a tree a little bit ago reading. And that's enough. And it just blows Nathaniel away. And he's like, you're the son of God. You're the king of Israel. And Jesus answered to him. And I almost feel like he's laughing a little bit. Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree. Do you believe? Like, really? That was it? That's enough for you? I, I just said you were sitting under a fig tree. But that's good. Okay. You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven open. And the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Jesus says, you believe in me. That's good. Listen, that what I just said, that was nothing compared to what you're going to see. You are going to see things that you never imagined. The glory of God is so bigger, so much bigger, so much greater than anything we could ever imagine. We get a a glimpse of it and it floors us. And God looks and he smiles and he says, that's good because you ain't seen nothing yet. Because I'm going to do amazing and miraculous things in your life and in this world and you're impressed by a small thing, there's greater things to come. So as we look through this, this whole passage, I just want us to understand and to notice what was going on. Everybody who met Jesus, number one, everybody who met Jesus had their life changed, flipped upside down, totally transformed. He was the light, and when the light shined into their darkness, it changed them. And in the case of both Andrew and Philip, the first inclination, the first response is to go out immediately. 
and go tell somebody else. And notice this because, look, as Christians, if if you've been in church before for very long, you've probably been told that you're supposed to do this, to go out and tell other people about Jesus, right? You hear that. This is your job. This is our mission. This is your goal or your purpose. But what I want you to notice is that in this passage, Jesus never told any of these guys, go and find other people. They just did it. They did it not because they were being forced to or because they felt guilty, because they felt some weight. Oh, I have to go tell other people. When their lives changed, they wanted to go and share that. When Jesus found them, they wanted to go out and find others. Found people, find people. Found people, find people. When you've been found by the Holy One, by the Messiah, by the light, by that greater awesome thing, when he finds you, when he finds you, you naturally will want to go out and find others to share it with. Now, why is that? I mean, there's, there's two reasons, really. Number one, we touched on already. Because when, when you feel that in your life, those changes happening, that thing that you've looked for, that thing worth living for, and you find it, and you know other people who have the same desire or the same need or the same longing, you want them to experience it too. And so a part of this is just because of your love for those people, you feel moved to bring them to find what you found. The flip side or the other side or the second part of it is this, that our joy in a thing, is never complete until we share it with someone else. When you find something that you love, you desperately want to share others for your own sake. Okay? Um, You know this on a simple level, on a very basic level. When you discover a new restaurant, you go and you tell someone about it. Because the joy of that discovery is not complete until you share it. When you see a great film, you want to go and tell others about it. When you go and you visit some great place, you want to go and tell other people about it. Partly for them, maybe, but more because it's somehow in you, it just brings greater joy to share that thing you found. And this is true with Christ as well. The joy that we find in Christ finds its completion or or is made more full by sharing with other people. Later on, Jesus would say this directly. He would give it as a direct command. In the book of Matthew, chapter 28, as Jesus was leaving the earth, the last thing he said to his disciples, in Matthew 28, 18, he said this, and Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. I could do anything, he says. I have All authority in heaven and on earth, anything I want to do, I can do. Okay? So again, pointing out, Jesus is God, the almighty God. And he could do anything he wants. And so what is the response to that? I could do anything I want. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations. There's a connection there. 
This isn't two random sentences jammed together. Jesus is saying, because I am who I am, and because I can do whatever I want to do, I'm sending you to go and tell others about me. Do you know what's crazy about that? I was thinking about this this week as I was looking at this. Jesus says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. All authority. He can do whatever he wants. So Jesus came to earth as the light to break into the darkness and to restore this broken world. He can do that completely and totally on his own, can't he? Because he is God. He is all powerful. He can do whatever he wants to do. He doesn't need us. He doesn't need us at all to complete his plan of salvation for the world. He doesn't need us. And yet, for some reason, unknown to me, unknown to you, I mean, we'll never figure it out this side of eternity, but for some reason, he chooses to work through people. He chooses to ask us, to invite us, to give us the privilege of sharing his glory with others. This go, therefore, and make disciples is, I mean, it's a command, it's an imperative. He's saying we should do this, but it's also, it's an invitation. It's an invitation into something great and something wonderful. It's something we should all be begging to do. And it's something that, honestly, he doesn't have to let us do. He could, he could evangelize the world. He could spread the gospel through the world in any way he sees fit. Because he's God, he can do whatever he wants. And the way he chose was us. Us, you and me, broken, messed up, usually get it wrong, us. And I I don't know why, but it's pretty amazing. It's pretty humbling. This is the whole, whole purpose of the church. The reason God created the church was it was a body of people with this purpose to go and to make disciples, to, 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 find, to, to be a, a group of found people finding other people and leading them to follow Jesus. And so he's called us together to do exactly what, what Andrew and Philip were doing in John chapter one, to go out, And to find people who need desperately to see this light shine in their broken and dark and blind world. Not because we're better. Okay? God clearly didn't call us because we have everything all figured out. He didn't call us because we're like the cream of the crop or the best of the best. And our message is not to go out and tell other people, be like us because we're awesome. Do what we're doing because we've got it all figured out. Not at all. All we do is we go out and we say what Philip said. We go out and we say, come and see. And people look at us and they say, what, are you, what, what is going on here? And this doesn't make sense and this doesn't make sense. And sometimes we say, you're right, come and see. I don't get it, come with me. I don't know why, why Jesus is doing these things in my life. I don't know, come with me. Just come. When you experience it, your questions are going to fade away. Okay? You have good questions. They're good questions. We can talk about them. Okay? We can study those things, but you, got, you just got to come and see. 
you just got to check this out. I have questions too. There's things I don't understand. But there's this light shining in my heart. And I, don't, I, I didn't put it there. Okay, I didn't figure these things out. It's just through Jesus. Come and see. That's the purpose of the church. That's why Trailhead exists as a church. That's why Trailhead is so committed as a church to planting other churches. Because we believe our mission, our goal, our purpose is to go out and tell other people throughout the region, throughout the United States, throughout the world, come and see. Come and meet Jesus. This is why this started happening in in my heart several years ago that God started working in my heart to, to plan a new church, to start a new church. To start this new group of found people who will go into our community and tell other people, come and see. So next year in 2016, we're, we're planning a new church in Troy. Trailhead is sending us out and a, and a group of people from Trailhead. We're going out, going out into Troy to tell people, come and see. It's very possible. It's very possible that God's speaking to you about coming with us, about being a part of that. To go with us to tell people, come and see what Christ has done in my life. And I don't have it all figured out. I don't understand it all. But he's done something and it changed me. And now we live here in in Edwardsville and in the Metro East in Madison County. Over half the people in Madison County don't go to church anywhere. In the Metro East, there's over over three quarters of a million people who have no connection to a church that preaches the gospel. That's a whole lot of people. That's a whole lot of darkness, a whole lot of blindness. And I'm not saying we're better than any of them at all. All I'm saying is the light has shined in our hearts and we want to go and bring those people and share the light with them. Whatever that looks like for you. Whether it's, it's being part of a, a new church, whether it's investing more heavily here at Trailhead and being on mission here, whether it's you know, working within the relationships of people you know in your own neighborhood right now, and inviting them to come and see, whatever it looks like. The outcome of a changed and transformed heart is that we naturally want to share what God has done for us with others. I just want you to think about something as as a wrap-up this morning. One last thing, just to kind of focus on, to kind of bring this into perspective. How does God share this message? He chooses, he doesn't have to, but he chooses to work through us. He chooses to work through people, to call other people to come and see. Which means that if you're here this morning and you believe, you believe that Jesus is who he said he is. If you are here this morning and you believe that Jesus came to earth to die for your sins and you trust in that sacrifice to bring you peace with God. If you believe that, You believe that because someone, someone said, come and see to you. 
Now, maybe they, did, they didn't use those words exactly, I'm sure. But somebody, somebody that you know or knew had their heart so shaped and so transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ that they talked to you personally. And maybe it was a friend that you knew and they just cared about you and they saw a need in your life. It could have been a family member. Maybe it was a preacher. I don't know. Somebody cared about you enough and was so transformed in their heart that they said to you, come and see. And you came and you saw and you had your heart transformed. And now, and now, Jesus is calling to you. And he's not saying, you better or else. And he's not saying, I'm laying this guilt on you, you're not a good Christian unless. No, no, no. He's saying, he's offering you the opportunity, the invitation to be that person in someone else's life. To be the person that someone else will look back on and say they were the one who said, come and see. And that's the invitation that he's offering to you today. I'm going to put a couple questions on the screen that we can reflect on. We'll have a time of, of silent reflection and then we'll take communion together, but Here's the thing, found people find people. If you're here this morning and you've been found by God, you already know, I don't even have to tell you, there's something in your heart that wants to go out and share this with a broken and dying world around you. There's a couple questions to think about. Number one, has a belief in Jesus changed your life? Okay, I've been talking, I've been talking this morning as if we're all on the same page as far as that goes. Or maybe not. You might be here this morning and you're like, that sounds interesting. And I connect with what you're saying. I know there's more to this life than just this life. I know there's more to this world than what I can see, but I haven't found it. Or I haven't been found by it or whatever you're saying. I don't, I'm, maybe you're not there. And if that's, if that's true, but you want to know more, if that thing inside you is crying out desperately, I want to know. Then we would love to have a conversation with you. When you came in, you got a bulletin. There was a card in your bulletin. That's a response card. We would love, if you want to have conversations, if you want to know more about what it means to believe in Jesus, please write that on the card. We would love to sit down and talk with you about that. If you have believed, how is that changing your life? What is God doing in you? that's making you a new person? And then number two, how are you sharing that light, the light of Christ with others? What are you doing that's showing the light? What what are you doing to say, come and see? What are you doing to invite others into this new life that you are experiencing? What are you doing to be on mission? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we love you. God, we're reminded again and again and again that 
You found us. You, you sought us. You reached down to us. We didn't deserve it. We didn't earn it. There's nothing we could ever do to be good enough. And yet you, in your infinite love and mercy and grace, you died for us. So thank you. First of all, thank you. Again and again and again, thank you for giving us that gift. And God, I pray this morning that all of us in this room will be transformed, that our hearts will be totally changed by that truth. That you will shape us and mold us more and more into your image and more and more into people who will go out and share that good news with others. Please don't let us leave the same as we came in, but transform our hearts over and over again. In the name of your son, Jesus Christ, amen.